I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I onward bound, Lord, plant my feet on high ground. That's my prayer for all of us as we continue our journey of faith, that we will simply set our feet on some higher ground in prayer and Bible study and ministry and witness. My name is Hal Brady, and I want to welcome you to this ministry tonight. It is my prayer that you will be blessed both by the Word and the music. Before I begin, let me say another word about my website, halbradyministries.com. If you look at that website, you'll find some previous sermons. You'll find a daily devotion on Facebook, and you'll also find a message on Twitter. Thank you very much for joining me tonight. Here now, please, the reading of God's Word from Psalm 73, beginning at verse 1. Truly God is good to the upright, so those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant. I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for they have no pain. Their bodies are sound and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not plagued like other people. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes swell out with fatness. Their heart overflows with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against heaven and their tongues range over the earth. Therefore the people turn and praise them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Such are the wicked. Always at ease they increase in riches. All in vain I have kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been plagued and am punished every morning. If I had said I will talk on it this way, I would have been untruth to the circle of your children. But then I thought how to understand this. It seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I perceived therein. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, which art our strength and our redeemer. Amen. My feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped. So testified the psalmist as he came to a time when his faith was slipping. The problem for the psalmist was the apparent unfairness of life, the prosperity of the wicked, the arrogance of evil. The psalmist simply couldn't understand how these ungodly people were receiving material blessings that he thought were meant for the upright and the pure in heart which brings up a crucial question. If we ever experienced a time when our faith was slipping, if we are honest, you know we have. I know I have, and I know you have. There's a little girl that said to her mother in Canada, she said it tearfully, I believe in God, but God's dead. Can't you hear it? Her faith has slipped. My feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. So testify countless numbers in our day. Well, how did the psalmist deal with this near collapse of faith. He tells us exactly how he did it. He said, I went to worship. He said, I went into the sanctuary of God. One Sunday morning as I was standing in the back of the church, a young man came out and whispered to me. He said, you know, I was offered a promotion at work this week. And he said it promised larger compensation. But he said, I turned it down. And I asked him, I said, why did you turn it down? He said, because it would have meant that I would have to work on Sunday mornings and couldn't attend worship at my church. 
And then he said, I'm glad I turned it down. I couldn't help but think about that young man. And I thought about how proud I was of his decision. Unrealistic though it may be, it was a wonderful decision. And I thought, if only your tribe could increase. And then there's a story about Dr. Carlisle Marnie, who was speaking with his father, his elderly father. Detached, his father was speaking as if to himself. And he said, I only wish I could start all over again with my faith. Then maybe I could keep it solid. Dr. Marnie said, but Dad, I thought your faith was solid. I would have staked my life it was solid for you. His father said, no, he said, for me, faith has been riddled with holes and gaps. And he said, sometimes I'm not sure at all. Dr. Marnie said to his father, he said, then when is it right? His father replied, at the meeting. It's always right when I can get to the meeting. And so we began to think about people who are going to church. They're not simply going out of dreadful duty. They're not church shopping. They're not going out of habit. They're going simply because they need to go. They want to go. They're involved in a deep and abiding faith. So it's important for us to realize how important worship is for people. Now, I want us to talk about some pluses of worship in this message. The first one is this. Worship enlarges our perspective. Worship enlarges our perspective. At the outset, the psalmist acknowledges the fact that he understands that God is good to the upright, to the pure in heart. Though it doesn't explain exactly how God is good in the world today. But suddenly, the psalmist's own faith begins to slip. He either begins to doubt God's goodness to himself, or he begins to envy the wicked. At any rate, his own faith begins to slip. And he cannot understand how the ungodly are receiving the material blessings that he thought was intended by the upright and the pure in heart. Hear me now. This is important. But in the midst of these troubling reflections, in the midst of these reflections, there came a turning point. I went into the sanctuary of God, said the psalmist. This text describes how he went into the sanctuary and suddenly his darkness was turned to light. He began to see things that he hadn't seen before. He began to see the present in terms of eternity. It began to make a big difference with him and his life. We're told that Jesus went into the synagogue. It was his custom. He went on a regular basis. But then we know that Jesus went out into the wilderness and he was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. When he ended that temptation, what did he do? He went home to worship. Now, out there in the temptation experience, he experienced applause, the spotlight. He was going to have power. He was promised everything in the world, success, all the things that make for earthly leadership. But he refused them all. How? He went to the sanctuary. He went into the synagogue, into the house of God. There he knew he would gain perspective. And there he would begin to understand something of the will of God for his life. So he went into the sanctuary and was blessed. One of the best therapies I know is simply to go into the sanctuary of God and to be reminded that God is. In other words, to trust that above the fog and darkness and confusion of our time, there is still God. Let me tell you something. There are a lot of people worried about our times. We're worried about the various things that are going on. Job loss, the economy, wars, tensions, threats of wars, the collapse of values, 
We're worried about all those kind of things. So wouldn't it be wonderful to simply be able to be reminded of God, to go into the sanctuary of God and be reminded that above the fog and the darkness of the effusion, there is still God. There is still God. Many a person like Tolstoy has overcome their melancholy by the fact that they thought of God. This man suffered deep anxiety. He even hid his rope, lest in an unguarded moment he hung himself. So he was afraid of that. But he explained how he got out of his melancholy. He said he thought of God. He said he began to think the eternal God is my refuge. He began to think of that over and over and over again until finally hope came back and peace came to his life. He began to trust that God is good to everybody. Last Sunday, I happened to be sitting in a church worship, and I heard a pastor pray this prayer, and I thought how appropriate. She said, we come to you in the midst of a world of turmoil. And then she said, carrying God, we lay these burdens at your feet. Such a comforting prayer. Now I ask you again, would it not be helpful if we could just go into the sanctuary and be assured of God, trust that above the fog and the confusion and the darkness of our times, there is still God. In one of her earlier books, Anne Lamott described taking her little boy Sam to church. She said she would take him two or three Sundays out of the month, that he was the only little boy in church. And so she would ask, why did I take him? First of all, she said, I took him because I was bigger than he was. I outweighed him 70 pounds. But she said, that wasn't really the reason I took him. She said, I took him for the same reason that I went earlier, that I found a path and I found some direction to live by. I wanted him to experience the path and direction to live by. Isn't that what worship is? Worship gives us a path and a direction to live by. It gives us perspective. There is no question worship enlarges our perspective. And then secondly, worship connects us to God. It connects us to God. The morning was hot and sultry. There was no inspiration in it. The congregation were fanning, using their fans, and they looked over their fans up to the pulpit, not too expectingly, however. They looked up there, and the preacher was struggling with his message, and they didn't receive anything, and they really didn't expect to receive anything. But when it was over, the pastor went to the back of the church, and he was greeting people on the way out. One of the persons said to him, Good morning, Brother Robin. Hot day. Dreadful, he said. The next person said, It would really be good to have some rain. Yes, it would be quite a blessing. People continued to speak to him. Finally, he found himself shaking hands with a man who was dressed in a dark suit. Something about his bearing and eyes bothered him. And so the preacher said, my name is Robin. Yes, I know, said the man. And the preacher said, and you? The man replied, only a watchman. A watchman? The preacher said, well, glad you came to church today. Hope you'll come again. And then suddenly that was the question that blew the preacher apart. The question was, come again, why? Come again, why? He continued to shake hands, but he didn't see anybody else because, you see, that question was so prevalent in his mind and heart. Why? It literally changed his life. It changed the way he did ministry, that question of why. Come again. Why? That was the question that changed his life. Now, let me ask you a personal question. Do you know that there is a God? And are you connected to him? At its best, that's what the church is supposed to do, connect us with God. At its best, the church becomes our hearing aid, that we can hear the voice and word of God as he speaks to us. 
in our daily lives. Here is this psalmist, this psalmist who suddenly had a collapse of faith. He said, my faith had almost stumbled and my feet had nearly slipped. Well, what did he do about it? How did he keep his footing in his faith? He said he went into the sanctuary of God. Now, the 73rd Psalm is in the Bible because this man came out of his emotional slump and he tells us how he did it. He said, I went into the house of God. I went into the sanctuary of God. He went to worship. That's how he came out of his emotional slump. Beloved, what are the essential questions we ask ourselves when we go to worship? Surely it's not, when is this going to be over? How long is this going to last? My friend, the late Dr. Frank Harrington said that one of the questions we ask when we go to church is, does God know me? And the second question we ask is, can I know God? Does God know me and can I know God? Well, let me assure you that God knows you. We're told that God counts sheep. We're also told that God marks the fall of a sparrow, that God numbers the hairs of our head. These are not, of course, some literally to be taken that way, but the truth is there, and that is to be taken that way. God cares about the infinite details of our lives. He knows us, each and every one. He made us. Let me tell you something. I've been reading First Chronicles lately, and the first seven or eight chapters in that book is tedious reading. It's just one name after the other, one name after the other, and it keeps on going name after name after name. Finally, I thought to myself, if God remembers all of those people's names, then God remembers our name. And so it brought great comfort to me, even though, as I said, it was very tedious reading the fact that God knows us each and every one. Remember the story in Isaiah? Isaiah was in the temple one day, and while he was there, or he described a man who was in the temple, this man said he heard a chorus singing, Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts. And then he said, suddenly I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And in seeing the Lord high and lifted up, he said, I saw myself and found myself. How many times does that happen in worship? We don't have any idea. But of the fact that it happens, we know. There was a fellow that came to church. His name was Tom. He had some dark glasses on. He came and sat down in a pew. And he was kind of disguised. And he sat down by his friend Paul. And Paul looked at him and said, Tom, is that you? Yes. He said, but I shouldn't be here. He said, I just need to go. And Paul said, why? I said, church is about to start. He said, well, I have not lived the way I should live. He said, as a matter of fact, I argued with a lot of people this week and I didn't apologize. I fussed with Anna all the way to church today. I haven't read the Bible in over a month. I haven't prayed in a week. And I don't think God is very pleased with me at the moment. I should be going. What should I do, he said. And then Paul said, nothing. It's all been done for you. And then Tom said, maybe I could take off my glasses. And Paul said, yes, you can take off your glasses. I think it's safe to say that. Worship connects us to God. It connects us to God. And then there's one other thing I want to mention. Worship inaugurates our greater possibilities. In reality, worship is a preliminary event. It is something that is a part of something larger than it is. As far as I know, the purpose of the church is to make Jesus Christ Savior and Lord in the minds and hearts of people. It is to make and grow disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. That's the purpose of the church. And there are five pillars of how this is done. Worship, invite, 
care, grow, and serve. I want you to notice, first of all, in these five pillars is worship. Worship is the first thing. But I also want you to know it's not the only thing. There are other things involved. Worship is the main thing, but it's not the only thing. There was a minister that said before the call to worship is given in church on Sundays, somebody ought to go out and say, let me welcome you to church today. He said, I'm glad you're here. Listen for the possibilities, but don't think this experience is everything. Don't mistake this experience for being everything. You see, worship is a part of something else. Worship is the music that contributes to the dance of discipleship. Worship is the music that contributes to the dance of discipleship. Because we worship, we want to know more. We want to know more about Jesus Christ. If you love somebody, you want to know more about them. Paul said, I press on to the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Because we worship, we want to do more. Philip Yancey said that he and his wife picked up the yellow pages of the telephone book in their town, and they found the churches listed, 24 of them. And he said they visited every one of those 24 churches. And he said he came up with a conclusion of what the essential qualities of a healthy church really are. One is diversity, unity, and mission. Those are the central qualities of a healthy church. Diversity, unity, and mission. I think it was the late William Temple, Archbishop of Canterbury, who said that the church is the only cooperative society that exists for its non-members. And then finally, because we worship, we want to share more. When I was pastor of First Methodist Church, Dallas, Texas, every Sunday a little boy came up to the door where I was. He gave me a big hug, and then he gave me the check for the church. He wanted me to be sure that I knew that he was giving an offering for the church. He wanted to be absolutely sure of that. Now, there was a minister preaching on the BBC on English television, and he made the statement that the one and only thing that will save the nation is worship. That is a very strong statement, but it is correct, and it always will be. Worship is the only thing that can save the nation. My feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped until I went to worship. I went into the sanctuary of God. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for this time together. Thank you for the opportunity of worshiping here now. Help us, oh God, to realize how important it is to worship, that worship is the very heart of life. Help us, oh God, to give you your due and to allow you to live in and through us. Thank you again for this sacred privilege of proclaiming this message. Thank you for those who are listening and hearing. Make them all a blessing. It's in your name. Amen. Thank you again for joining me tonight. And again, I hope you'll look at the website, HalbradyMinistries.com, for other sermons and for Facebook devotionals. Good evening. Good night.
Thank you for listening to Dr. Hal Brady, whose television broadcast is seen weekly in Atlanta on the Atlanta Interfaith Broadcasters Network. Dr. Brady's sermons are also available online and ministry updates are posted on Facebook. With your help, we are able to share the gospel online and on the air. So please consider a donation to Hal Brady Ministries. Donations can be mailed to Hal Brady Ministries, Inc., Post Office Box 1367, Decatur, Georgia, 30031, or you can give securely online at HalBradyMinistries.com. We are grateful for your prayers and support and hope you'll continue to partner with us. If you have any prayer requests, please be in touch. Thank you.